of the Lord. Joe tries to make me blush up here, I think, is what he's doing. <laughs> uh, with the Christmas banquet, too, if you guys have a song you want to do with your Sunday school class, life group, or family, uh, you know, we're, we'll have some Christmas carols as well. If you want to organize that, you still have a few days left to do that, and that's always really fun. I am not doing the 12 days of Christmas again. That will probably never happen again. So if you missed that, <laughs> if you missed it, you missed it. But anyway, uh, that was supposed to be Jordan and Taylor, but somehow I got subbed in last minute. But anyway, are we all announcements, are we clear with everything? All right, well, guys, whether you know it or not or like it or not, the Christmas season is upon us. Um, before you know it, Christmas will be gone and past, and we'll be in 2020, and it just doesn't seem possible. It just feels like a few weeks ago we were doing a 2018 year review review video and uh, watching that and praying and being excited about 2019 and just what all God was going to do and now here we are on the verge of 2020 and it just it just hardly seems possible. Uh, this time of the year is one of my is definitely my favorite time of the year when we remember the birth of Christ. But just even going through the stores and the shops and just. You're hearing the Christmas carols. You're hearing people singing about Jesus. They might even know what they're singing about, uh, but they're singing about our Savior. Amen. It's being free broadcast, free going out through the country, around the world, of the birth of Christ, their Savior. And it's just the best time of the year for that. Other things I like about this year is I like giving gifts and I like receiving gifts. And uh, it's just and it's extra fun and family time. Hopefully this year you guys will have some extra time with your family. And... Uh, with that is good, and sometimes extra family time can be challenging. So this is not going to be your typical Christmas sermon. Uh, praise God, I don't really, not really much for typical <laughs> a lot of times, but uh, sometimes being with family can be challenging, amen? But they're still family. We had this uncle in Canada, praise God, uh, this is being streamed live, even though the red light's on, but and he's passed away anyway, but I could tell you all kinds of stories about my family, because you don't know any of them. <laughs> This guy's name was Uncle Jack, but we always called him Uncle Jerk. And uh, <laughs> the guy, we just, he was just, not to his face, but I mean, my brother and I, we just always said, Uncle Jerk wants us to go pile more wood. We're like, no way, we just went on vacation, or whatever. He always had a job for us. We wouldn't even get out of the car yet from driving so many hours to get there. And he had this list of chores he wanted my brother and I to do, which we usually just laughed at and ran away. <laughs> but uh, we called him Uncle Jerk. And, uh, but you know, there's, there's certain family members and friends sometimes, or they're just challenging to be around. And sometimes you almost want to skip this Christmas party or skip this Christmas fellowship or get-together because you don't want to interact with them because you know every time you do, this happens. Every time you do, they say this or he says that, and then this happens, and I respond like this, and just this negative, and I don't want to feel that way, so I'm going to stay home. And that is one way to handle it, but there is, a, there is another way, and uh, there's a way that we can learn how to love well. You know, there's a way we can learn how to love well. I'm in my last class right now of Global Awakening. Uh, I've taken four levels for he physical healing. I've taken four levels for deliverance. I'm in my final level, level four, of inner healing. I've been sharing with you guys about Carolyn Leaf's book. Uh, just an amazing book. Another book I want to recommend, I'm going to have some quotes in that, um, uh, in this sermon today, is by Danny Silk, and it's called Keep Your Love On. I, I highly recommend this book to new couples, to people that are engaged, to any course of life, if empty nesters, to anything, because there's just so much good and practical information in this book of what love looks like. 
You know, love looks like something, but if you didn't have that modeled for you, or maybe you did, but there's even more that could be modeled for you, I'm telling you, there's so much good information in this book that can help you learn how you can love yourself, how, you, how to set healthy boundaries with family members, how to set healthy boundaries on people that are, you know, the leeches and the bloodsuckers that can come and they just suck the life out of you. If you let them, they will. And that's not loving yourself. You have to set healthy boundaries because how can you give your love to your kids and your family members that need it if you've already been sucked dry by somebody else who's really not going to take your advice anyway. They're just trying to suck the life out of you. Okay? God can help them, but you don't have to have a savior complex and try to fix everybody. Amen? You've got to set your own healthy boundaries. So there's a lot of tips on there how to set those boundaries. And uh, there's just a lot of good things. I can't recommend this book higher, uh, more than I, I already have. I've already read it twice, and it's just, it's just so good. But one of the most challenging and yet rewarding things in our life is our relationships, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's one of the biggest things that makes it's either rewarding or challenging or both. What makes it that way is the way we communicate with each other. Communication is hard sometimes, isn't it? It's, it's really hard. A teacher once told me that every communication we have is like a cross-cultural conversation, <laughs> even with those you love and know. I mean, it's like you're speaking from another country, and I have some experience with that. We've been to quite a few different countries, and every time, the most simplest thing becomes so difficult, from ordering a pizza or asking where the restroom in is, becomes this difficult game of charades trying to figure out, how do I communicate with this guy who doesn't know English, you know, and it's like... Uh, pizza, round, pepperoni, cheese, you know, it's like, I'm not very good at charades, but we were in Brazil, it was, it was like that, in Uganda, it's like that, unless you have a translator that's going to help you communicate, there's this major language barrier that hinders us c from communicating, and you know, you don't have to have different languages to have this language barrier, you can still be speaking English and not have a clue what they're saying, uh, like Shakespeare, I still don't know what that guy's saying. I mean, I'm just telling you, I just, what is he, why didn't he just say what he's saying? I don't know what he's saying. Why is it going to be a riddle? <laughs> anyway, uh, but even, he, even here, I remember when we moved uh, to Crossnor from Canada, words that I would use and words that the kids use were the same words sometimes, but they had totally different meanings. So we thought we were communicating. We thought we were on the same wavelength, and we were not. <laughs> I remember this one, it was our first winter there. I thought it was awesome coming from Canada. It was so warm. I was outside Christmas Eve playing basketball in the yard with shorts and t-shirts like I love North Carolina this is awesome this is so great this would never happen at home but anyway uh, shortly after Christmas we had this big snowstorm it was uh, I guess it was in winter of 98 probably yeah, or 99 yeah uh, yeah winter of 98 no anyway it was 99 so uh, we had a good snowstorm the kids were out of school for a while and the guys were like uh, he wanted to go sliding down the hill I said okay well that's awesome go ahead that sounds fun he, I said do you have a toboggan and he goes yeah, I have a toboggan. I'm wearing it. I'm like, you're wearing a toboggan? Like, how do you wear a toboggan? He goes, on my head. I'm like, why would you put a toboggan on your head? Now, a, tobo a toboggan in Canada is this wooden sled, you know, with the rounded front, the ropes going inside. You pull it and you steer it around like that. And uh, he said, to keep my head warm. Like, how is a toboggan going to keep your head warm? I'm so confused right now. He goes, well, what would you use? I said, I would use a toque. He goes, well, what the heck is a toque? I said, a toque is a winter hat that you pull down over your ears to keep your head warm when you go out in the cold. He goes, well, that's what a toboggan is. Like, so anyway, we laughed and we laughed and we laughed and we had this communication thing. And it was, just, it was just funny because we were saying English and we were talking, we were laughing with each other, but we had no idea what the other one was talking about. It had something totally different in mind. 
another one that made me laugh, Holly has this uh, school teacher friend, and she was traveling up north somewhere in Pennsylvania, and she stopped by this shop later in the evening, we're about to settle in for the night at a hotel, and wanted to pick up some snacks from their, for their hotel, and they wanted some ice cream, so she went into this shop and asked the guy and said, I'd like to get some ice cream. And he said, he looked at her kind of funny, almost puzzled, like just almost like shocked, because what he heard because of her accent, and a different accent in the north than there is in the south, and they can't, still English, but different accents, it caused the communication to break down a little bit. And he looked at her kind of shocked and almost stunned, like this prim and proper lady would be talking like this, and he goes, okay, I think what you need's on aisle four, like that, right? And so she goes into aisle four, and she's looking around, and she doesn't know any different that he didn't understand. And she doesn't see any freezers or coolers or anything. She's looking at its medication and stuff. And she gets down there like, Preparation H, what is this? Pre what? What? Oh, my gosh, what do you think I said? He thought he said derriere cream or, <laughs> or arse cream, but it was ice cream. And he heard, that's why he was so shocked this nice prim and proper lady <laughs> said uh, arse cream or something instead of, like, ice cream. Like, it was, he was just stunned by this lady. Like, she would talk like that. It's funny because this lady's a speech therapist in our county, and, uh, but, but it's, it wasn't that she said it wrong, but the accent, he heard it differently, and that, that has a totally different application, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's two totally different things and for two totally different reasons, and yeah, 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 so moving right along. But um, communication at its best on our best days can still be complicated. Whether you're, you're married, you've known this person for 20, 30 years, you can still have days where you're just not connecting. You're not, you're not, you're not, what you're saying and what you're meaning and what they're hearing is not the same. Have you guys ever done this? I know I have, and Holly has too, where <laughs> Dave Mark's still laughing at the last one. I can't look at Dave Mark right now. I'm going to keep laughing. <laughs> All right. Anyway, but uh, have you ever had these moments where you had this whole thing going through in your brain? of this conversation you're having in your, in your mind, and all of a sudden you just like, you ask your spouse this question, and they have no background of any thought pattern you just had for the last 10 minutes. And like, I have no idea what topic we're talking about or what's going on. You skipped like eight steps before in this conversation. Have you guys done that? I've definitely done that a bunch of times with Holly, and we laugh about that. But uh, this will work in heaven. You know, we can just think the things, and everyone will pick it up. But then on earth, we have to actually use words. You know that? We have to use words. So uh, healthy communication skills are important, especially in a marriage. Amen? A marriage is complicated. It's, it can be challenging, but it can be the greatest joy and privilege if you learn how to communicate. You actually have to speak to one another, even when you're upset. And hopefully you'll pick and choose good words at that time, right? So uh, see if you can relate to this story, or maybe you'll know someone that does. Uh, this one's not as, well, not funny, but, uh, but it's uh, just a family situation. A wife's been stewing all day long because she feels unloved by her husband. He walks in the door from a long day of work, throws his keys on the counter, and he notices that she doesn't look happy to see him. She doesn't look up. She's just kind of laying there on the couch. Fearful of engaging, he, he asks, honey, what's the matter? Nothing, she said. What do you mean by nothing? That response makes me feel like you're angry with me. Have you been there? Don't say yes. Or just <laughs> but just, you've probably been there. Anyway, on both sides. She said, I'm not angry. Well, you seem angry. What's bugging you? Did something happen today? No, I don't want to talk about it. Talk about what? So the, he's being very persistent here, right? Not really giving her space. But anyway, nothing, she said. And he's like, are we going to do this all night long? And she says, oh, like you care. 
All you ever do is come home and ask me a couple of things about my day, but you never really listen. You have no idea what I have to deal with all day long with the kids, cooking and cleaning, and all you ever do is go golfing with your buddies. You don't care about anybody but yourself. And so he's totally blind, so like, wow, where did this come from? And he's like, how long have you been feeling this way? And she responds, yeah, like you care. When was the last time that you even told me that you love me? And he's like, um, 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 see, you don't even remember. And she's like, when was the last time that you even, you gave me flowers? And he's like, well, uh, there was that one time. And, and she's like, yeah, I didn't think so. You can't remember. You know when the last time was? It was at our, it was before we were even married. So, um, so she said, you don't care, and I don't know why I'm even having this conversation with you. And she storms out of the room, and he's left standing there wondering, what in the world just happened? He's not thinking about any of these things. He's at work, he's doing his job, comes home, and then boom, right? So uh, the next day, he comes home with, with flowers, and he says, I love you. And she takes him and throws him on the floor like, that doesn't count. You're only doing that because I told you to. You're laughing because you've been there, right? Okay, I'll tell you my confession. Since Holly's in junior church, I'll tell you mine. So uh, she, and she'll probably never listen to this, so praise God. So uh, one of Holly's love languages is words of affirmation. And so <clears throat> she wants me to tell her different times that she looks beautiful. So when I don't do that, sometimes her love tank gets low and she can get emotional and start shutting down and doesn't talk. And I have to try to figure this mathematical formula in my mind to try to figure out what's going on, right? So anyway, uh, she tells me this and I say, you look beautiful. She goes, that doesn't count. I'm like... Why? Because I just told you to say it. I'm like, well, when is the statute of limitations up that it will actually start counting for me? Does it one day, two day, three day? When do I start doing it and actually gets counted into my good credits here score of that? Are we okay? <laughs> it's guys and girls. I just, I can relate more to the guy side because I am a guy. So, but anyway, um, so she didn't know the answer to that question either. <laughs> so I just had to keep saying it and saying it. And eventually it started to stick that it, it started to count. And uh, sometimes hubba hubba doesn't count either. Like hubba hubba, does that count? Like, <laughs> like oh wow, or wow, you know, like it doesn't always count either. But um, they they like to hear these things. So this wife in this story, um, it's a pretty nasty situation uh, of communication. And communication like this is never going to end with a good resolution. It's gonna it's just going to cause more friction and more hurt, and more pain, and then you're going to say more things that you probably didn't even mean because of being afraid and, and scared. So the wife in this situation, not Holly, but the one in the story, right? The wife is afraid because her needs are not getting met, but her needs are not getting met because she's afraid to communicate what they are, okay? She feels unsafe or vulnerable, fear of vulnerability. Maybe she went through something traumatic as a kid, so she doesn't feel safe to say them. So uh, when she... When she gets her husband to act by coercion, it can't meet the need because her real need can only be met by a free act of love. So even though he said it and he gave the flowers or I said hubba hubba or I said you look good or whatever you say, it doesn't count if it's like five minutes after they prompted you to say it because it needs to be something spontaneously in our hearts. But if you don't know that they need it, then how are you going to meet that need? And the real problem is if they don't know what they need, then how can they expect us to know what they need? And that, that can be really challenging because, you know, many people, male, female, they don't really know what they need. They have, but every one of us is born with needs. We are born uh, with instinctive needs. We are born with physical needs. All of us need air to breathe, okay? All of us need uh, 
you know, blood pumping through our bodies. We need our hearts to work. All of us needs food. All of us needs X number of hours of sleep on a given day, or you're not going to function. You're just not going to, you need that. In the same way, we all need emotional things. Now, uh, guys can act tough and act like, you know, John Wayne or whatever and pretend they're really tough, and, they, and men are tough, but you still have needs. You have emotional needs. You have a need of feeling of, of belonging. You have a need to feel safe and secure. You need to have, feel safe in a relationship that no matter what I do, no matter how stupid I do or don't say or don't do, that you're going to have my back, that you're going to love me anyway. And guys, that's the very thing that God offers us. But he wants us to offer it also in our relationships. So, um, guys, this works both ways. Men don't always share their feelings. Women don't always share their feelings. But we need to know uh, what we need. People will say things like, well, if you love me, you would just know what I need. Mm, no, I don't. I've been married 22 years, and I still don't know. I know some things, but I don't always know because they change. They keep changing. And when you figure out the first set, it changes to another set. And then you go back to the other set, and you're like, I don't know. I really I don't know. And guys, uh, though it's funny because we don't know. They have the books out, like men are from Venus and Earth, women are from Mars or whatever. Because we're coming from two different planets. It's a cross-cultural conversation. <laughs> I know, right? And it really is. And so the best way to communicate is actually say what we really need and feel and what we're thinking. So, uh, or you've heard them say, didn't you notice that, that bothered me when you said that or did that? Uh, nope. <laughs> nope. Um, haven't, you, haven't you been paying attention? I can't believe that you didn't know. I, I can't believe you didn't know that about me. So this is really an unfair, unrealistic expectation that relationships can have in each other that we're supposed to just know. Because guess what? We don't know. The women don't know, always know. So they, they can be more sensitive and figure it out sometimes quicker than us, or maybe they don't. But guys... Honestly, women, I wouldn't hold your breath. They're probably not going to know unless you tell them. So it's up to us to figure out what do I need so you can tell them what you need so they can have a fair shot at meeting that need. Does that make sense? All right, so it said it shouldn't be this guessing game like the other person is supposed to have telepathic powers to just know what you're thinking, feeling, and needing. This is not healthy communication. It's normal communication. This happens often in relationships, not just husband and wife, but other people. Well, if they love me, they just know, but they don't. And the problem probably is you probably don't know. And so you're frustrated, and you can get snappy and irritable because you, don't, you have an unmet need, and until that need is met, you're not going to feel safe and secure to unwind and relax and open up and be who you really are. And then if you have heart wounds and fears, your heart wounds, you can hide behind those heart wounds and not really let people see who you really are then you're not going to know what you need. They're definitely not going to know. So the only way we can, we can show them the real problem is to overcome our fear, trust that they really care about us, and tell them what we need. Tell them. So example, you're driving down the road, your husband or wife is driving like a maniac, or at least you feel like they are. They might feel like, this is just the way I drive. I love taking these corners like this or whatever. But if you make them feel unsafe, and they communicate to you, you're making me feel unsafe. I feel endangered for my life. I think I could die at any moment by the way you're driving. <laughs> or some other words of whatever, they might say that to you. All right? Then it's your job as the spouse, the opposite one, to slow the car down and take the corners maybe a little easier and do something to meet the need that they're expressing to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That might not be the best example. I know because we the guys like our toys and driving fast. 
Okay, well, there you go. It's a good example. All right, all right. I'm getting praise from one side, nuts from this. So, um, but the point is, you're you're communicating what the need was, and then the spouse has an opportunity to meet that need. Now they also have the opportunity to not. They can go faster. Like, what do you don't trust me? <laughs> and you've probably seen that too, because you know when you get insecurity involved in that, then you're thinking you're challenging my manhood. You don't think I know how to drive. You don't think I'm, you think I'm stupid. You, you get all this insecurity coming out. And so when they're just saying, I need to feel safe, you're, you, you challenge them with this, and they feel, you're making me feel like a little kid. You're making, you talk to me like a, you're my mother. And they're like, I'm going to drive faster. Wrong. And you know, <laughs> right? And guys, that's, that's about as real as communication gets in our life. And it's, it's your filtering your stuff through your pain, through your fear, to your insecurity, when they might not be challenging your manhood, they might be not saying you're the worst driver in Avery County, they might just say, you are making me feel unsafe. That might be the end of it. They might not have all these strings attached to they sometimes do that you can't trace back. This might be just an actual blanket statement that's like, boom, right here, that's all it is, in this little box, because you know, men like their stuff compartmentalized in boxes, and women have all their strings and stuff attached to all the boxes that guys can't always <laughs> figure out, right? So, but this one, if she's saying that I don't feel safe, that's probably what she means. And if we can hear it and not be, you know, defensive and whatever, we can just slow down and love them by a good response. So, when your heart is governed by fear, then much of what you communicate is actually designed to hide what is really going on inside of you. Do you know that? Well, I don't feel safe with you. I don't know if I can trust you, so i got to hide what's going on here because I might share it with you, then you might violate that, and you might hurt me. So then your whole life gets filtered around this, this sphere of fear, and you never really let down that guard so people can really know who you are. And how are your needs going to be really met if you don't let them know who you are? Right? So, uh, guys, this is a problem. We all have needs. I was saying before, we need air to breathe. We need food and water. X number of hours of sleep, this is different for everyone. We need clothes, a warm place to uh, lay our heads. We need heartbeat and blood going through our bodies. And these needs are kind of easy to figure out. You know, like, you just know that. You've seen people die that lost blood. You know, so like, I guess I need my blood. You see people die that uh, their hearts stop. You go, I guess I need this thing to pump, right? So our physical needs are easy to figure out. But our emotional needs sometimes just as real. But they're not quite as easy to figure out. And probably because we haven't spent much time addressing them or honoring them, or valuing them. We've spent more time suppressing them and saying, oh, that's just for sissies, or you're just a little girly man, or whatever. And they just, they just make you feel whatever if you have an emotion. And guess what? God made you with emotions, men and women. You're, and you get that emotion, you are made in the image of God. God has emotions. He's been angry, he's been sad, he's been happy, he's been all those things, amen? So... Um, Again, the physical things are easy to figure out, but our internal emotions can't always, are, are not always, always, always as easy. So every human being needs to have a sense of acceptance, belonging, and support. Every one of us. If you walked into this church today and you did not feel welcomed, there's a very good chance you'll never come back. Because you didn't feel accepted, you didn't feel like you belonged, you didn't feel welcomed. It doesn't matter if we had the biggest church with all the bells and whistles, the biggest everything, and the best coffee and donuts. You're probably still not going to come back if you don't feel loved and accepted and and belonging here, right? Because every human being needs that. It's like the Cheers song we have with our life group, right? You want to go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. So every human being also needs to have a sense of significance, 
a sense of uniqueness, individuality, and of being special. Do you know that? Do you know that you like it when you feel special? When somebody makes you feel special, that does something to your heart that feels good. Amen. So when we compliment each other and we give each other praise and, 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 and gratitude and things, that is good for them and people need that. You did a good job at that, honey. You did awesome at that. You know, things like that. So we also need a sense of security in our relationship and a sense of safety. We're in a safe place. I can walk around in my bloomers and I'm okay. <laughs> Too visual, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but you can just be you. You don't have to have this facade on of everything's great. You can actually have some days where you just let out the, the whininess and the fussiness and you can find out what's going on there. And if you're honest with your spouse, a friend, or loved one, they can help walk you through this to a healthier place. So that doesn't have to be an everyday thing, maybe a once a year thing or once a month or once every... Oh, <laughs> shouldn't said that. I didn't mean that. <laughs> okay. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> I wasn't talking about ladies' days, okay? I was... <laughs> Oh, everyone loves Raymond. That was a good one. But anyway, squirrel, Jesus, help me. All right. So in a healthy marriage, I need a drink. <laughs> and it's just, just water, too. So. Oh, gosh. In a healthy marriage, communication is a must. Amen? It's a must. So we need to learn how to communicate what each other needs. So if we... Uh, have a healthy relationships, we need to have healthy conversations. If uh, a big part of showing someone that you love them is trying to meet their needs. But again, how can they do that if you don't know what you need or they don't know what you need? So Danny Silk says in his book here, it's my job to tell you about me and it's your job to tell me about you. Let me say it again. It's my job to tell you about me and it's your job to tell me about you. That might be revelation. It was kind of to me too, like that you mean you don't know and twenty two years doesn't matter. It does matter, but you're still gonna you're gonna you're going through life, things change. Things happen, your kids get older, life situations change and things. And you still need to communicate what you're feeling, what you're thinking, and what your needs are. Okay? If you never really learn to value and understand what's going on inside of you, how can you communicate that with others? You just stuff it down, you just stuff it down. And also, if you never really learn to value and understand what's going on inside of you, how can you value and understand what's going on inside of another person? And guys, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where we're actually showing people that we love and care for them is by meeting their needs, right? Meeting needs the best we can. So guys, in every relationship, there needs to be a goal. There needs to be a goal in your relationship with each other. I hadn't really thought about that uh, until I read this, but Danny tells a great story in this book about this uh, family that came to him for counseling, and their son was really acting up. He was, he was trying to get attention. He was smoking pot, breaking windows and furniture. He was running away. He even st stole their car, went on a joyride, and they were just freaking out, didn't know what they're going to do with their kid. They were scared. They raised him in church, and they felt like he knew better, but he just was going wild. They didn't know what was going on, so they came to Danny for counseling, and he's sitting there in the room with these, these two, and they're sharing all these stories and all their fears and concern about their son. And uh, he's noticing while they're talking and telling all these stories that never once while the other one is talking, they don't look at each other. So when the spouse, the, the, uh, the wife is talking, the husband's looking at the ceiling, the wall, or the floor. And when he's talking, she's doing the same thing. They never look at each other and make eye contact. And so when they finish telling him this long story and all everything that's going on, their fears and concern about their son, 
Danny looks at them and said, let me ask you a question. He said, what is the goal of your marriage? And it was like, have you not been listening? They didn't say anything, but just threw back chocolate. We're talking about our son here. What's this got to do with anything? And uh, they were just stunned, and they just sat there, and, and neither one of them answered. They didn't know what to say. They had this awkward moment of silence, and they were wondering, is Danny going to say something now? Because I don't know what to say. I, don't, I haven't really thought of a goal in my marriage. And he said, let me clarify this for you after this long pause. He said, I'm not talking about your financial goals. I am not talking about your retirement goals. I am not talking about your parenting goals. I am talking about what is the goal for your marriage. And uh, still quiet. They have no answer. They're stunned. They just didn't know what to think. And finally, the husband speaks up, and he says, uh, well, peace would be nice. A little peace once in a while. Yeah, that would be nice. And the wife then quickly chimes in, because now she's triggered a bit. And she said, it would also be nice to have conversation once in a while. So Danny responds, so, okay, so peace and conversation, these are the goals of your marriage, okay? That's what we have so far, okay? He goes, let me ask you this, were either one of these or both involved with your, uh, your wedding vows 15 years ago? Did you have that in there, that you wanted to have peace and good conversation in there? And they both nodded and their head, no, no, we didn't have that in there. So he's like, what happened? What happened? So he asked them, would, what would you say is the goal of your marriage right now, today, in this room, right now? What is the goal of your marriage? And they, they couldn't answer him. They had no idea what to say. And Danny leaned in and told them, every relationship has one of two goals, connection or disconnection. He said, and your goal right now is to be disconnected and to stay away from each other and stay far enough away where you feel safe from each other's verbal abuse and words, and you're just learning to tolerate each other and live in the same house under one roof, but you're not learning, you're not connecting anymore. You're, just, you're practicing disconnect. And he said, you've actually developed skills, a set of skills around disconnection and keeping a safe distance from each other. So your current goal is a safe distance, not a safe connection. And they both were kind of shocked when he narrowed it down to that, and they're like, yes, I would agree to that. So after years of disconnection, arguing, nagging, ignoring, fighting, caused, by, caused her son to act out and get attention because he didn't feel safe in their home. He didn't feel that connection and love in their home. So he responds in this way instinctively because he feels unsafe to try to get positive attention, any kind of attention from his parents because they have been in disconnect mode and disconnect from each other. They also disconnect with him. So they went through several counseling sessions with Danny and, and they were willing to work on their stuff. And amazingly, they were able to he get help, and they were able to reconnect in their marriage, and their, their son also was able to get help. But it started with being honest. Their goal of their marriage was disconnection. Let's just not get a divorce, or at least until the kids get out of the house. They wouldn't say it, but the vibe in the home would be like this toxic, not getting along, not talking to each other, this vibe that just isn't healthy. And it's become from not communicating with each other. So there's also should be a goal in our communication. So the goal in relationship is connection. The goal in communication is, some, is, is also is understanding. Okay, our goal cannot be being right and you're wrong. See, I was right. I told you. I told you. If you just listened to me, we wouldn't be going through this right now. You know, all that kind of stuff. That's not the goal of communication. The goal isn't um, making... Uh, making someone change their minds to agree with you. See, I am smarter than you. You are stupid. <laughs> and even they don't even say that, they're making them, their, their communication, their body language, their anger, their tone is trying to say, I am superior to you. You are inferior to me. I am smarter. You are dumber. Shut up and listen to me. 
Now, you probably wouldn't get there in the conversation, but the, the hidden stuff behind the words is something along those lines. So that's not the goal of a healthy relationship or communication. The goal is understanding each other. The goal is where are you coming from, where am I coming from, and understand each other. It's not making them come to your side of the fight or your side of the equation, but just listening. Um, it says we need to listen to the, their hearts and understand what they are saying, even if we think they are, they are wrong. We need to value the relationship enough to understand what they are saying and keep the relationship goal of connection intact. Because if the goal is to make them agree with you, if the goal is to make them come to your side of this argument, if you can't do it, then you, there's going to be a, a new disconnection there that you, you're developing. And you're going to water it and whatever until they finally agree to come on your side or something else happens. But they don't have to come on your side. They don't have to always agree with everything that you say. Either way, do they? Yes. <laughs> but you can, I mean, not just husband and wife, but in relationships. You can, dis, you can connect with people and communicate with people. And if you have a disagreement, you don't have to fight about it. And you don't have to disconnect just because they have a different view than you. Man, the church needs to hear that one, huh? Uh, everyone needs to hear that. So Danny Silk said, Understanding one another's needs is the holy grail of communication. If I can find out what you need in a conversation and find out how to satisfy that need, then it changes everything. What do you need? Everybody needs something. They might need to feel loved, respected, appreciated, listened to. Uh, they gave you time. They gave you full attention, not like on the phone at the same time, just eye to eye contact. They need something. And we figure what that is, and we meet that need. It's going to help that relationship and, and keep that connection alive. So he said, the faster you can get to the question, what do you need? And don't say that in a rude way or a rude tone. What do you need? You know, that's not going to help. <laughs> Either way, a guy or a girl could say that. What's your deal? You know, that's not going to help. Um, the faster you can get to the question in your mind, your heart, your, your listening out, listening, what do they need? and you feel safe or whatever, the faster you can start doing something about it. Amen. Guys, everyone has these needs. We have these needs. Uh, you might need to be heard. You might need to feel appreciated. You might need to feel respected. But they need something, and that need is in that conversation. The need, they're, they're saying it in this conversation. You might just see their outward facade, and you see this scary person. Now we're talking about a different family member, not your spouse, but a scary person. They're like, ah, and they're just, they're scary to be around because they're, they're out of control. They don't know what's going on inside. They need something. They need to feel safe. They need to feel security. They need to feel a side hug or something. There's something you can do to make them feel loved. And like, you know what? No matter what you do, no matter what you say, I'm not going to disconnect my heart from you. I'm going to love you. And that relationship will change. But if you let the fear and intimidation of their stuff get in the way, there'll be a disconnection, and, it, and there'll be more disconnection and more disconnection, and it pulls you further and further apart, and you're not going to love well. You're not going to love well. So the goal of communication is understanding, and the goal of a good relationship is connection. So guys, if you could remember this, this holiday season, as you prepare for your festivities and your family reunions and gatherings and with all your Uncle Jerks and everybody else in your life... They're there, but there's a way you can love them right where they are, not if they change and become like this, not if they change and agree with you, but you can love them right where they are and make them feel safe and secure in this relationship, in this connection, and you can actually develop the relationship in a good way, in a healthy way, amen? And you may be the only person to ever show them that kind of love and stability without having to change them. You're saying, if you change, I will love you. 
That's not real love. That's not love. It's I'm going to love you whether you don't change or not. Like That's what God does, right? He's like, I'm going to love you whether you change or not, whether you believe in me or not, whether you receive my forgiveness or not. I'm going to love you until the day you die. So, and then beyond that. So, um, Danny once heard a man tell a story about uh, getting hit by lightning twice. Imagine that. That'd be a shocking experience, right? So, uh, this guy was hit by lightning twice, and the man died, and instantly he's in heaven. It sounds like a joke, but he, he said this is a real story. Uh, the man died, it was instantly in heaven, and he had this conversation with God. You know, people would think if he gets struck by lightning, it must have been God killing him, and he, he would end up in hell, but that wasn't what happened here. So, um, you know, when he got there, God didn't ask him, did you give all your money away to the poor? He didn't ask him, did you raise the dead, cast out demons, and heal the sick? God didn't ask him any of those things. Do you know what he asked him? He said, son, did you learn to love? He said, honestly, he spoke honestly. I guess you probably can't lie there. I don't know, but I'm guessing you can't. And God would know it anyway. So, but God, he answered honestly. He said, no, I haven't learned to love. And poof, instantly he was back in his body. He was back on earth. And he, God communicated to him like, I'm going to give you another chance. This time, make it your goal to learn how to love. Guys, isn't that what we're here for? To learn how to love? Fear causes you to turn your love off. You know, fear of what you're going to say, fear of rejection, fear of pain, fear of punishment, fear of whatever. It makes you turn that off. But if you can choose not to turn it off, even if it hurts, even if it wounds you a bit, you can take that wound to God just like Jesus did. God, this hurt when they, when they did this. This hurt when they said this. They called me crazy. They told, they, they told me they wanted to lock me in a loony bin. They took these things to the Father, and God helped them with it. But he never shut off his love, did he? On the cross... He's wounded, he's broken, he, he's, his body's bleeding, crowns of thorns in his head. And on the cross, he still didn't turn his love off. He said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. He said, Mother, this is now your son, son, this is now your mother. He's thinking about everybody else, and he doesn't turn his love off out of fear, torment, or pain. And guys, you know what? You don't have to either. I mean, life is hard sometimes. What Nick does, I, don't, I went out with him a few times, and my gosh, I was needing prayer after it, or sozos, or something. <laughs> seeing all these crazy, messed up people. Uh, and you know what? But we, our fear of protecting ourselves isn't going to help them. It's keeping our love turned on. The best we can, some of them, the best help they need is to be locked up for a few days or longer. And that's just true. That's what they need to get away from this stuff. But if we can keep our love turned on, how much more can we help each other and help, help uh, those around us? So um, the question to you guys is today, uh, the challenge is to keep your love turned on and to love well. You, you know you can do that? Instinctively, you know how to do that. Fear teaches you to not do that. When you're a little kid, you're really naive, right? You, you, the whole world's like, ah, ah, and then people hurt you after a while and you start shutting down. But God wants to open that up again, that childlike faith, that childlike love, and let you love people the way you were designed to love. And guys, you will have a much healthier marriage, a much healthier life, not taking other people's burdens and problems on yourself, but just letting the love of God come through you. I don't have, like, you, can, you can hate me, but I can still love you. I remember when Rodney Hoke was here, he had this guy in his church that was just really kind of a mean, nasty, grumpy guy. He gave all the new pastors a rough time, and he was a new pastor at this church, and the guy came in stomping and storming. He was the, the leader of the church and whatever. And he listened to him for a while, and Rodney stood up. And Rodney's a pretty big dude. He stood up. He said, you know what? No matter what you say, no matter what you do, I am not going to stop loving you. And that guy shifted right then on the spot. and was like a little, little kid again. 
He felt safe, and it became one of his best right-hand men in, in the church. Right? We don't have to shut our love off because somebody is scary. You do need to set safe boundaries if they're dangerously scary, like you know, guns and violence kind of scary. Safe boundaries and maybe police support or whatever. But if it's just relationship stuff, you don't have to shut your, life, your love off. And you can walk through this relationship and stay connected and minister to each other and work things out. Amen? Even when it's tough, right? So uh, I want to move from there into communion.